Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are listening to this show. This is Killing the Business Wrestling Podcast, and I am your host, the current reigning and defending extreme champion and the king of the north, Sick Vic. The other day, I was thinking, I was lying in bed, and I, was, I always watch old school like videos on YouTube. Who doesn't watch old school? like old WCW videos, NWA videos, you know, I mean, Attitude Era. That's a big one on YouTube. And WCW's final years gets a lot of flack, I believe. And it's for good reason. But that being said, fans tend to overlook some of the really good things that happened. I mean, WCW's final years showed just how far a popular wrestling promotion can fall with the wrong creative team, Vince. <clears throat> Anyways. But however, though, there were some great moments that went down in between the confusing twists and turns that they made us go through. The Monday Night Wars provided us strong positives for fans to go back and forth between WWE and WCW. I remember I did. I will watch Raw 9 to 11 and WCW Nitro will repeat on TNT around midnight, one o'clock. And I stayed up and watched it because before WCW went to shit, it was good. It was actually good. But many gave up on WCW near the end. Quite a few, but there are some noteworthy things that stood out when looking back at WCW to, between 2000 and 2001. Not all connected, connected just some bits uh today and scatter notes but what do you expect because when i'm in bed usually i usually have a bowl or two in me so i'm usually just like my mind's usually like overdrive creative but you know however there were some there were some good times wrestlers getting a chance to break out and let me just name some of the i'm gonna get right down to it these are some of the points the high points of wcw their last years i believe the Booker T. Stevie Ray feud. Harlem Heat might be the best tag team in WCW history when looking back. Ten-time tag team champions. Yeah, they're probably legends in the old WCW and the tag team world itself. Booker T. and Stevie Ray won title after title. Just, they were not the New Day back then. They were just like harm heat. They were their own force. And this is before uh, Booker T started to break out on his own. WCW did decide to reunite the duo and to have them, just to have them break up for a storyline. Around this time, Ahmed Johnson signed with WCW as Big T and replaced Booker in Harm Heat 2000. I guess... They're stretching, but the bottom line is this. No matter what I think, numbers don't lie. People lie. I try not to lie. But, you know, what you read on the internet I bring forward sometimes turns me untrue, but what else? According to the numbers, the angle failed to connect. But there should have been more interest in this tag team feuding. 
another thing that got my interest was the Dark Carnival. Who remembers the Dark Carnival in WCW? There were an underrated team faction, I should say, for WCW that started off with Raven, Vampiro, and the Sound Clown Posses. Yes, the rappers. However, Raven chose to leave WCW in late 1999 when Eric Bischoff granted his release during a meeting. The Great Muta and the Demon each joined during WCW's final year with Vampiro and IPC. WCW had a potential with the idea, but the lack of storytelling with this group just made them come off as a wacky, like the Odysseys in WWE. Just kind of like respectful, but what the hell are you doing? You're making them look like clowns. Once again, a solid idea here and just poorly executed. Another thing I like to bring up during WCW's final run, Diamond Dallas Page and the Chris Cannon feud. Diamond Dallas Page was the top face for WCW in the year 2000. Many of Page's closest allies turned on him with his wife, Kimberly Page, and friend David Arquette. The third backstabbing came with Chris Cannon turned on his, his best friend. DDP and Cannon had a strong chemistry going back to their time together in their Jersey faction. Can't remember what they were called, but they were all about New Jersey. And Bam Bam Bigel was a part of it. But anywho, that's besides the point. The program should have had a huge deal, but it failed to deliver. Once again, poor execution. Kenneth started to impersonate Tidge and look like a fool in his biggest push yet. And it's just kind of breaks my heart a little bit seeing how Chris Cannon, who was so great, was kind of just made fun of, like a mockery near the end of WCW and especially WWE. But it is what it is, I guess. The Goldberg shoot promos. Jesus Christ, I just got sick of Goldberg back in WCW. Vince Russo loved the idea of blurring the lines between fiction and reality. Goldberg coming back from an injury in 2000 saw him unhappy with how the company is being run now that he had Russo calling the shots. The storyline of Goldberg breaking character in the ring would see him calling out Vince Russo himself. Fans were left confused during this whole thing. If you watch the YouTube videos, you would just be like, it was no passion, no fact. It was confused. But it could have been the great idea of paper. Another idea that was poorly executed. I mean, the top star feuding with management helped WWE at the time because that was the downfall of the WCW. And everyone all fuck up like this just gave WWE momentum. This is what I've been saying about AEW, WWE. WWE is showing a lot of WCW qualities near the end. Now, WWE probably has a lot more bigger cash flow than Billionaire Ted. Billionaire Ted probably was kind of cheap when it came to dealing out money. And this is not afraid. 
or doesn't have as much fear as Ted Turner does. But this, uh, these little slip-ups, when they gather, they stack on top of each other, ends the demise of that promotion. And this is why I'm doing this episode. I'm trying to tell people that WWE is near the end. People can laugh at me or whatever like that. It could be the end of Vince McMahon's era. It could be, but small little fuck-ups like these, like Vince decided to repackage wrestlers, different names. Pete done it to Butch. I hate that. Because you have Butch on TV, and we're not acknowledging Pete Dunn's amazing NXT UK run. We're not acknowledging him being a North American champion. It's just Butch. No. Those are just some of the dumbass ideas that WCW would have done with his collapse. Another thing that was very confusing and bizarre was Daphne breaking out. Daphne was a hell of a talent. I am not, I mean, God bless her, I am not trying to take any jabs of someone who passed away. I'm not. But the failure of David Flair and WCW saw him unable to get over with a few different gimmicks. WCW hoped that Ric Flair's son would have fallen in his footsteps despite not having the, any experience before signing based on his last name. Once again, someone running off the Ric Flair name that doesn't work it doesn't i mean shard flair she's a champion but she, the great bike that she rides on into the sunset with the title has training wheels because of vince mcmahon holding her up the only time davis seemed to have a natural success was when teaming with crowbar and acting on looney daffy became their manager and davis loves their interest and was a huge reason for any fans paying attention. The over-top personalities and commitment to the characters made them a surprising success story in 2000. It was silly. It was fun. Some people say that was a failure because of David Flair's non-success run. They gave him the U.S. title. That was bullshit and ridiculous. But putting him in this scenario turned to an idea into a forest fire, into we got the fire control. It's a little charboiled, but the fire is out, and that's all that matters. Another bizarre bookend for WCW was Sting and Vampiro. WCW booked a few programs between Rising Stars and Legends during the New Blood storyline. The New Blood storyline, I believe, sunk WCW. That was the final straw. Vampiro faced off Sting to provide the unique nature of the two face-painted wrestlers going against each other. The Human Torch is remembered most for Vampiro setting Sting up on fire, setting Sting up on fire and throwing him off the top of the Tron. Sting probably didn't like working with Vampiro, and it didn't show, and it showed in their matches. It really did. Sting seemed like he just didn't care. And it just made the rivalry just bleh, forgotten about. Like I said, the new blood in the Millionaires Club sunk WCW. That was the final slash, I believe, anyways. And they made Goldberg, Goldberg into a heel. I mean, it was just, yeah. 
the John Dragons, the best matches of WCW during their final year, featured the Jung Dragons and three counts stealing the show. Fast paced, X Division, cruise rate action. That was great. Many fans showed love to three count for the memorable boy band gimmick, but the Jung Dragons just were, were as impressive. Jimmy Yang, Jimmy Noble, and Kai Halaski formed a trio that delivered every time they had enough time for a great match. When WCW allowed them to have them to say, like, go nuts out there, they delivered. Their manager, Leah Meow, added another dynamic to make them unique and make them unique. What other words I could use? Well, it was like a, well, their performance and their act was unlike like anyone else at the time in WCW. So I guess unique was, unique sounds like kind of like unique bad. Maybe I should think of a different word. They were undergrounds in WCW that never sprouted up and they should have more. Chris Candido in the Cruiserweight division. Who remembers this bullshit? One of, one of the more promising ideas of Vince Russo was signing Chris Candido and Tammy Sitch. The placement in the Cruiserweight division gave Candido a chance to prove he was one of the best wrestlers in the Cruiserweight division. I call it X division, but whatever. But they... They try to put him on a level as Rey Mysterio and a Guerrero. But they struggled, Sitch and Candido, to fit in WCW's landscape and both left faster than expected when Sitch got into hot water for having drugs backstage. Jeez, Tammy Lynn Sitch got in trouble. What are the odds? Their short run of Candido and WCW was overlooked as he could have easily become more important part of the company. He goes into other promotions, runs with the heavyweights. You want to put him the cruise rates? Okay, but you have to execute it. You have to execute it. If you don't, it's going to fall on your face. And once again, another negative mark, another nail in the WCW coffin. But how can we, near the end, how can we forget the cat, Ernest Miller, as a commissioner? Ernest Miller was not one of the first names fans talked about looking at the end of WCW. You really have to, I want to say pay attention. I love the sport, but yeah. It's, I just want to say as I remember, and I remember it being one of the nails in the coffin. I mean, a few wrestlers had, as many moments as Miller towards the end, WCW, WCW even paid the money to have Jim Brown show up and dance with Miller. That's like Jake having Jake Paul in WrestleMania. Why? Ernest Miller did have a gimmick that was James Brownish. So, okay, you want him on, you want him on, fine. But when you're going under as a company, you don't pay the money for James Brown. You just don't. The bigger character shift for Miller saw him becoming a commissioner in WCW. 
main eventers like Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, Scott Sahar, Scott Steiner, Scott Hall, I guess you could say as well, and Goldberg. And Scott Hall was not a main eventer. He was the WCW tag type team division, but for the world title, he never had a shot. Don't forget that. That's why I use Scott Steiner instead of Scott Hall. But because of his uh, colorful personality, Miller attempted to steer the ship for WCW, and it just didn't work. I'm sorry. It just fell flat. But the one thing that I... For years, you had Goldberg in WCW, unbeatable and unstoppable. Yes, he lost to Kevin Nash and Star King when Scott Hall took a taser to him to set him up for the jackknife. Okay, that's... It's a fucking taser. Who's going to be a taser? Okay. But the emergence of Scott Steiner was arguably the brightest spot in WCW's final years. Steiner did a great job establishing his character of Big Papa Pup when he was a company, when he was with a company that needed. I mean, he begged for big names to step up. But fans remember Scott Steiner winning the WCW championship when defeating Booker T and feuding with them. They had a very impressive feud back and forth near the end. But the overlooked moment, this goes back to Goldberg, was when Steiner was victorious, queenly beating Goldberg in a no disqualification match. Goldberg rarely let the creative team make, them, make him look weak, but Steiner did it in his own way to the top. That started off the rift between Goldberg and WCW. I don't know if there was one already started, but that was the beginning of the end of WCW and those things. The good, the bad, the ugly. And just odds and ends, I just think of. And I think I'm going to share my thoughts with everyone more often. If you don't like it or like it, just let me know. You can always find me on Facebook and Instagram. But those are just thoughts about WCW, good, bad, and ugly in the end. And I appreciate everyone listening to this show. Thank you very much. I will see everyone later down the road on Killing the Business Wrestling Podcast. Take care of yourself, everyone. Too sweet. And enjoy wrestling. Because you just never know when your favorite promotion is finally going to pack it up. Take care, everyone. Too sweet. Goodbye and good night.